It's good to be in the house of God today, and I want to thank you. Thank you so much for the beautiful music. I thought they'd done a great job today. Can I get an amen? So as we think today, uh, we're on the subject of Jesus saves. That what we, that's what we've been talking about uh, for the last few weeks here at Eden West Side. It's not about the trees. It's not about the reindeers. It's all about a Savior whose name is Jesus. And for the last few Sundays, we've been talking about how, how important that is in our life. So I want you to take your Bible today and open it up to the book of Luke chapter 2. When we begin to look at Dr. Luke speaking to us in Luke, uh, we find that it begins to introduce us to a sovereign move of God. That uh, when you open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, it gives the history and the story of how God invaded this world. How that when you begin to study, you begin to open your hearts and your minds up to the truth of God's word, that all of a sudden you begin to recognize that God has done something that is absolutely sovereign and supernatural. When you look at Luke chapter 2, you're introduced to the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So when we begin to study this, we we begin to put our minds and our hearts around this fabulous truth that we find in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11. So let's look there together as we read this out loud together. Everybody join with me as we read it together. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. How many of y'all believe that today? I believe that with all of my heart, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So I want you to take your notes out, and I just want you to write down a few things that, that we've talked about uh, in order uh, for us to move forward to where we're going to go today. First of all, I want you to write this down. Christmas is about God's love. It's about God's love that's been demonstrated to us and we realized that in the very first message that we talked about. Christmas is about God's love. Number two, write this down. It's about God's timing. It's about God's timing. The Bible tells us that in the fulfillment of time, right on time, God's never late and God's never early. God is always right on time. So it's about the love of God. It's about the, the timing of God. And then write this down. It's about the purpose of God. That is, God had a purpose for sending his son into this world to rescue us, to redeem us from the, from the fallen nature of who we are, to move us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So God's purpose was fulfilled on Christmas Day. And then write this down also, it's about God's plan. God had established a redemptive plan from the foundation of the world. That is, God was not taken by surprise when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that Jesus had been sacrificed before the foundation of the world. God had a plan in place to save lost sinners like you and I. So Christmas is about God's plan. And then write this down. It's about God's provision. God provided for us a Savior to which we ourselves could not provide for ourselves. We know that one sinner cannot die for another sinner. So God provided for us a spotless Lamb of God. The sacrificial Lamb of God that John himself said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we realize then that Christmas is about God's love. It's about God's timing. It's about God's plan. 
It's about God's purpose, and it's about God's provision. And then the second week, we talked about a little man called Zacchaeus. You remember in the Bible story, uh, we find that God brought Zacchaeus to a place. And what we established in that message was that God brings everybody to a place. That there is a time when time and eternity crossroads. Uh, that is the intersect. And God has a perfect place for you to meet him. It may be right here today. So we talked about that in uh, sermon number two. And then sermon number three, we talked about a sure truth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Can I get an amen? And that is the truth, y'all. That's why Jesus came into this world. So when we begin to think about that, we determine in this season to magnify the message Jesus saves. No greater message, no greater gift. Everything else pales in comparison to this sovereign truth. This is good news. We've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. This is the message that declares Emmanuel, God is with us. It is the joy to the world. The Lord has come. Hark! The herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. And we can do all that to go out and tell it on the mountain. For the king of kings and the Lord of lords has come. The culmination of all the old prophets came together there in a little town called Bethlehem. We remind ourselves that the prophet Isaiah who spoke these profound truths to us for until you is born this day. We begin to realize that from Isaiah to Ezekiel to Joel to all, the old message of the Old Testament begins to culminate right there on that glorious, wonderful day when the angelic host proclaimed that this is good news that the Savior has been born. It is the substance of our faith, the hope of our glory. The fact of his birth is the fulfillment of the greatest promise to meet man greatest needs. The central message of the word of God is found in these profound scriptures that unto you is born this day in the city of David. A savior who is Christ the Lord. Dr. Billy Graham made the statement years ago that when we look at this profound truth that John 3.16 is enough gospel to save the whole world. Dr. Billy Graham made this proclamation that when you look at this fulfillment of this prophecy in John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I get an amen, church? How many of you are glad that God did that for you? Can we give him praise today? He is good for God so loved the world. Let's go back to John three sixteen. Everybody reading it together with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible goes on and says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3.18 says, He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not on him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What a profound truth that is. Jesus himself made this declaration about he himself. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his son so that if we would just believe in him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. Think about this in your own heart. Let's separate ourselves from the hustle and the bustle and all the things that are going on in the materialistic world today. People are going here and people are going there. There's multitudes, throngs of people that are busy trying to wrap it all up for what they call Xmas or a holiday. Can I tell you, my friend, it's always Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And in my book, it will always be about him. But when we look at all the hustle and bustle and all the going and those that are moving here and there, families that are coming together for this season, people are trying to get the last-minute gifts. Some of you right now are saying to yourself, Brother Jackie, make this a short message because i got to make a last-minute run to Walmart because you've got one more gift you've got to make. And I look at people around and I see them. And Denise, when uh, she had taught me into going shopping the other night, and I told her, I said, baby, if you'll just get me home, I promise I'll do anything in this world you ask me to do. Just get me out of this mall. Get me out of this crowd. But I want you to think about this for a moment. There's a profound truth that lies within this biblical passage. Dr. Billy Graham said, this is the gospel in a nutshell. That God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And then think about verse 18 that says, He that believes not on Jesus is condemned already. But those that believe in him are going to be saved. Think about this with multitudes, millions upon millions of people that are going to and fro. And I look at people and I see what's going on in their life. And it's almost as if in my mind's eye I see these, these messages that are, just, that are just hanging over their head. Condemned, condemned, condemned. Condemned. Throngs of people condemned. 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 Can you imagine when you look at your life? Life is like a vapor. It's here today and then it goes away. It's like a flower that blooms for a second and then it fades. The Bible says it's like the grass of the field. It's there and then it burns up. I was talking to a lady this morning, 96 years old. She came to the first service and she was talking to me and I said, Man, 96 years old. And I bet you would tell me if I were to ask you, it went by fast, didn't it? She said, yes, it did. 96 years go by so fast. But yet so many people are trying to find life and the meaning of life in all the wrong places. And the Bible says that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're condemned already. And the Bible says that you're condemned because you do not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. When I think about that, I see throngs of people that, that when you look at their life, their life one day is going to be over. We're going to draw our last breath. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. No matter how strong you are, no matter how big you are, no matter how good of health you're in, there's going to be that time in your life where you're going to draw your last breath and either you are condemned or you're saved. What we want to say to our world today, what we want to say from this pulpit today, is that you can be saved today. You don't have to be condemned because God didn't send his son in the world to condemn you. He sent his son to save you. And thank God for that today. But I want you to focus on four incredible simple truths. What we're going to talk about today is simply profound but profoundly simple. The first thing I want you to look at today is the, the love, divine love of God. The divine love of God. When we think about the message of Jesus saving, we have to realize that God loves us. That God loves us no matter who we are. The idea that God loves the whole world 
is a new idea. As a matter of fact, when you study your Bible and you study history, you begin to realize that in the older days, the, the, the world, the Jews believed that God loved the religious and the true Jew and not the non-religious, which was the Gentiles. The same thoughts are held by many in every generation, especially by those people that are religionists. The fact that God truly loves everybody is shocking to so many people. But I want you to think about the scripture verse. Let's look at John 3, 16 again. For God so loved the world. Isn't that good news, church? Isn't that good news, ladies and gentlemen, that God loves you? That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how far you've drifted, no matter how deep you've dug the hole, you know, no matter how deep your sin is or bad your sin is or dirty your sin is, look at Brother Jackie. God absolutely loves you. There is no changing that tremendous truth that God loves you. There, there's a lot of people that wonder and they question, how can a God love people that much? Why, why would God choose to do that? The Bible says, for God so loved you. And I love the word, so loved. As a matter of fact, in the Greek text, it never stops. It says that God so, 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 so loves you. And it goes on through eternity. It's not that God did love you. It's not that God is going to love you. But ladies and gentlemen, God loves you right where you are. Can I get an amen? There's no exception to God's love. God's love is a, a love that's non-exceptional. You say, Brother Jackie, can God love everybody? Can he love the vile person? Can he love the murderer? Can he love the immoral person? Can he love the, 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 the child abuser? Can he love the prostitute? Can he love the thief? Can he love the drug addict? Can he love the alcoholic? Can he love the person on the street? Can he love the oppressor? Can he love the bitter, the vengeful, those that are terrible? Ladies and gentlemen, the good news today is that our God loves us. And I want to tell you, it's an honor for me to stand behind this sacred desk of this great, great church and to make the proclamation to a world that may be watching that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I'm here to tell you today, based off the eternity and the sovereignty of the Word of God, that God absolutely loves you. I was thinking the other day, you know, someone said it that's much brighter than I am. They said, one day someone asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And the, the person said that Jesus opened his arms this much and said, I love you this much, and he died for you. Isn't that good news? He loves you so much that he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. He loves you so much that he gave his sacrificial life on the cross of Calvary for you. We're living in a world today to where a lot of people don't even preach about the cross. They don't preach about the blood. They don't preach about redemption and salvation. They don't talk to people about that. But ladies and gentlemen, the only hope that we have in our world today is a pulpit that unashamedly declares that God loves you and that God loves you unconditionally. And God not only loves you unconditionally, but God loves you, and God is the God that loves you with an act. He, he proved himself to you. You know, somebody says, I love you. Words are cheap. Words are cheap, y'all. You know, we, we throw those words around. They're so cliche. I love you, I love you, I love you. But yet, at the same time, God not only said it, he proved it to us. Can I get an amen? He proved his love to you. He, he acted upon that love. You know why God did that? Because God acted upon his own nature. For the Bible says that God is love. God is a God that acts upon his own nature. 
And that nature is the nature of God. Therefore, he loves, he acts, he demonstrates, and he shows his love. God's love acts and reveals him to be who he really is. I thank God for that today. And then not only do we have the divine love of God, but secondly, we have the divine gift from God. The divine gift from God. I love what John 3.16 says. John 3.16 is profound in its truth. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? God demonstrated his love in the most perfect way possible. He gave his only son to this world. When I think about that, my mind immediately goes into the quarters of heaven before the birth of Jesus. Down through the quarters of time where you realize that that God had established the gift of his son way before we ever sinned. I can imagine the moment that God summons his son to come to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Born as a baby. Born as a baby in a manger. Born of a virgin womb. But yet at the same time, knowing that his sentence was to go to the cross and die. The divine gift of God is that God gave his only begotten son. When I think about that, my heart rejoices. My heart rejoices in the fact that God gave us a divine gift, y'all. And I want you to think about this. I wrote this down and it made my heart just, just really soft. He gave up his son to be separated from him. Allowing Jesus to come to this earth. And I wrote this down for my own self. He allowed his son to come into a world that was fallen, that was deprived, that was wicked, that was rebellious, that was revolting, that was apostate. He allowed his son to come into a world full of darkness and hostility and bitterness and wrath and anger and war and selfishness and greed and sin and shame. Can you imagine that? So many times when we hear somebody preach or we read our Bible, this is the things that we say. We say things like this in John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And we kind of leave it at that. Or we even use the name Jesus so, so casually. You know, we call him Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus. But I want you to think about this for a minute. You do understand that Jesus was God. You do understand that God left heaven and came to this earth. Ladies and gentlemen, it seems so casual that we would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Are you listening? God so loved the world that he gave God. It's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Do you believe today that God showed up in the form of a baby? I was listening to Santana sing the song, and I love the song, Mary, Did You Know? That song is so special to me. And when she was singing it, there's a part in that song that I love, and I'm not going to sing it for y'all. I know you're happy about that, but I would like to quote it to you. It says, Mary, did you know that when you kiss your little baby, you kissed the face of God? Can you imagine that? Can you even begin to wrap your mind around that truth? That when the baby was born, congratulations, you got a son. She takes this baby up in her arms, and can you imagine the thought that when she kissed that baby, she was kissing God? Can I tell you this, my friend? God gave us something that we didn't deserve. God gave us himself. God gave us himself. Now, I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't have done that for you. 
I have to be honest with you and tell you, I would not have done that for any of you. I wouldn't give my kids for you. Now, now that I've got grandkids, I would consider maybe a kid, but I would never give my grandkid for you. That just wouldn't happen. I wouldn't sacrifice one of them. But I, God did something for you that I myself would say, God, how did you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you give yourself to die on a cross for my sins and for these people's sins? We're gathered together on this Christmas Eve here at church on Sunday morning at Eden Westside, and we got things to do and places to go and people to meet, and we're going to be busy and we're rushed. But I don't want you to rush away from that truth, that God gave you something that nobody else could give you. We, we look at our kids, and when, you know, our, at our house, this is how we do Christmas Eve. At our house on Christmas Eve, we got all the presents for all the grandkids, and they're all around the tree and all that stuff, and we're going to leave here today, and we're going to, me and my wife are going to rush home and try to get everything ready, you know, and we're going to get all the food ready. By the way, how many of y'all are going to eat tonight today? I mean, I know you are. I'm just trying to figure out where I need to go tonight. But the fact is, is we're going to get together, and we're going to eat, and we're going to have this big spread, and we're going to eat, and the kids are going to be edgy, and they're going to go over those tree, and I'm going to go, no, 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 don't, you don't, we're not going to do that right now. You can't open the present. And they're going to think I'm a terrible grandfather. And I'm going, no, no, we don't do that. And I'm going to bring them together around, uh, around me. And we're going to open the Bible. And they're going to be antsy to open those presents. And they're going to, they're going to want to tear into them. But I'm not going to let them, y'all. Because I don't ever let them. And I make them sit there. And I open the Bible up to the book of Luke chapter 2. And I begin reading in verse number 1. And I read the Christmas story to them. And we make our kids and grandkids stop. We don't let them rush into the junk and the garbage and the stuff until we say, wait a minute. We don't ever want to forget what this is all about. See, it's not about the stuff under the tree because you know what? We're going to give them a bunch of junk. And this bunch of junk, and a, you know what? They're going to open this up. They're going to open up their junk today and they're going to get stuff. It's going to be made out of plastic and stuff. And the parents are going to get mad because we fill their house up with more plastic junk. And, and they're going to open it up, and you know what they're going to do? They're just going to throw it down. And they're going to walk away from that. And guess what, guys? A year from now, what we gave them today is not going to matter. But can I tell you this? What Jesus gives you will matter for eternity. When you, when you look at what God has done for you, and he gives you the gift of eternal life, it's not something that you throw down. It's not something that you cast aside. But watch this. And as a matter of fact, when, you, when God gives you the divine gift, you can't throw it away because he walks with you and he talks with you and, and he shows you the way. And he's a friend that will stick closer to a brother with you 365 days a year. The gift that God gives you does not tarnish and it does not fade. Rust does not eat it away and moths doesn't eat it and thieves don't steal it. The, the gift that God gives you is a relationship with a God, the God of this universe through his son, Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a good gift. Can I get an amen? When I look at that and I begin to thought, think about that, I thought, wow, look at what this gift does. It gives you a divine promise. And this divine promise is profound to me. It's a promise that causes me to be propelled from this year to the next year until the place to where I'll finally see him face to face. 
The Bible gives us a promise in John 3.16, and this is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't rush, don't rush through that. Don't rush through that. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great promise. Can I get an Amen. I want you to underline the word perish in your Bible. The word perish means to decay, to deteriorate. Now I want to tell you something that's going to rock your boat, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You're just decaying away. You know what? We're living in a world, are y'all listening to me? Mary Kay can only do so much, y'all. She can only do so much. You know, we try to do everything we can do to not to decay away. But, but what we got to realize is in this world, we're perishing. We're perishing, y'all. And the Bible tells us that, that we're perishing away. And we can't run as fast as we used to run. And we can't jump as high as we used to jump. And when you look in the mirror today, you go, who is that person staring back at me? I used to have hair. Now I don't. What are you laughing about? You used to look better than you do now, too. Fact of the matter is, you're just getting older. Now, when I tie my shoe and I bend down to do it, I ask myself a profound question. What else can I do while I'm down here? Because I don't want to bend back down. If you take the grunter out of me, I can't do anything anymore. I grunt when I do everything. Can I get an amen? And I'm thinking, you know what that tells me? I'm perishing. I'm deteriorating. I'm decaying. But you know what? I'm not doing that alone. You're doing it too. Every single one of you, you're getting older and you're, you're, you're decaying and you're deteriorating. And the Bible says that if you believe on Jesus, you will not perish. You see, for the believer, for the believer, we don't decay to get worse. We decay to get better. For the Bible says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, or the trump of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O grave, where is thy sting? O death, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, for the believer, we never perish. We just go from one door into eternity. And we get a new person. That's who we are. We take on the body of Jesus. We don't go from bad to worse. We go from worse to great. We're going home one day. And we're not going to perish. But for those that don't know Christ, you're perishing. And here's what the content of that scripture means. Are you listening? You will always be perishing. You're always going to be decaying. You're always going to be dying. It's called the place of death when you're separated from God. You're always dying. The decay is always there, but it never stops. It goes on throughout all of eternity. It's a place of death. It's Sheol. It's the, it's the place of the doom, the place of the death. It's the stench of it. It's the agony of it, the pain of it. People today don't preach on that. We think we're going to live forever, but we're not, unless we know Jesus as our Savior. When we look at our life, God has given us a promise that we won't perish, but we will have everlasting life. Thank God for that promise. Can I get an amen?
And then finally, a divine mission. The divine mission of God. You know, when Jesus came to this earth and we celebrate this Christmas time, we begin to realize that Jesus came to be the first missionary. He left heaven and he came to this earth. And the Bible says in John 3, 17, God didn't send his world, son in this world to condemn us. And when you think about that, God didn't say to Jesus, Jesus, go to this earth and condemn everybody. That's not his mission. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, before I read the next verse, I want to tell you, we're living in a world today to where people, it's kind of like a consumer mindset. You know, people are looking everywhere for some purpose of life. And they, this is what they do. They, they go to this church. At, well, let's go to that Baptist church. Sounds, sounds like they got something going on. Or let's go to this Methodist church. Or let's go to this Presbyterian church. Or let's go to this Pentecostal church. Or, hey, let's go to that church. We don't even know what the heck they are. We're just going to go there. And what happens is people are looking. People are looking for something. And the Bible tells us that, you know, when we look at our lives, it's not about the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterians or the Pentecostals or whatever it is. It's not even about being in this building today. What we're looking for is not found in denominations and it's not found in structures and buildings and it's not even found in the crowd. It's found in one person. And that person is Jesus. And God didn't send his son in this world to condemn you. But he sent his son in this world to save you. The Bible says he that believes on Jesus is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already. And there's a reason that people are condemned already. Because they don't believe in the name of the only begotten son of God. See, it's not, it's, not, it's not conformity that changes our life. It's transformation. It's God taking you from where you are, no matter where you are, taking you from where you are and moving you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's God working in you in such a way that you come to this place to where you go, I don't want to be like I've been. I don't, I don't want to live like I've been living. We're living in a world today to where people are what we call seekers. Seekers come into churches. We have them every Sunday. They come in and, you know, they kind of try the church on for size. And people are seeking and they're looking and they're, they're wanting to find answers. Their heart is crying out, I need something more. They're looking here and they're looking there and they're trying to find some purpose and meaning in life. Well, Christmas gives us the answer. God sent his son into this world not to condemn you or to push you away. God sent his son in this world to embrace you, to love you where you are, to save you. I said it last Sunday and I'll say it again. You cannot out the grace of God. God's grace is bigger than our sins. And what we got to realize is that Jesus came into this world so that you can and I can 
Get out from under that condemnation. You ever felt like you was condemned? You ever felt like you just wasn't going to measure up? You ever felt like you wasn't good enough? You ever felt like you wanted the answer, but you didn't know what the answer was? Have you ever been searching in life for something that would cause you to have meaning? We've all been there. But I can tell you from my own personal experience, there's only one answer to all those things, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we're convinced of is in John chapter 5, it says these words, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my words and believes on him that sent me will have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but they shall be passed from death to life. Don't you want that? Don't you want that in your own life? Don't you want to get out of this death valley? Don't you want to get out of this meaningless life? Well, God will give you a new life if you'll trust him. The bottom line is a powerful bottom line to me. It's true. The message of Christmas is true. Say it with me. Jesus saves. Let's say it together again. Jesus saves. For unto you is born this day, Luke 2, 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you're looking for a new life and you're looking for a new purpose and you're looking for a new meaning, well, you don't have to look any further because the Bible has deliberately given us the answer to all the questions. Jesus saves. And no matter who you are, he can save you today. He can change your life if you'll let him, if you'll trust him. In just a moment, I'm going to invite all of you to stand. And we're going to invite you to stand. And it is Christmas Eve. I get all that. Some of your visiting family here and friends that, that invited you to church, and I'm so glad you came. But what would be even greater is maybe today in this building like this, that you would get the greatest gift you've ever gotten in your life, the gift of eternal life. And you can get that. See, a gift is not something you purchase. A gift is something you receive. A gift is something that somebody gives to you and don't expect anything in return. That's a real gift. What does God do? He offers you the gift of eternal life. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. All you got to do is receive it. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by faith. You open your heart and you let Jesus in. In just a moment, I'm going to have ministers that are going to come and stand at the front of this church. And they're going to be here for a special reason. And that reason is maybe somebody's here today that would say, I want a new life. I want my life to be different. If you'll walk down the front of this church and uh, they can't save you. But what they're here for is to pray with you and help you and help you understand what that's all about. Because a lot of times we don't understand it. These guys are here to help you understand that. Or maybe you want to join the church today. I think that'd be a great decision for some of you. Or maybe some of you just want to come to the altar. Take this time before you rush into Christmas and have a moment of worship with your, with your Savior. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray or come and make a decision for Jesus, we'd love to give you that opportunity. So today, we're going to sing that song, Brother Randy. As y'all come, we're going to sing that song again, Jesus Saves. And we want you to take advantage of that opportunity. Our ministers are going to come now, and they're going to position themselves to help you. So when you stand in just a moment, 
if God's dealing with your heart, don't stand and stay, stand and come. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say come, and whosoever will, let him come. Let him take of the water of life freely. You know what? That's what God does for us. So I want you to stand with me today, and as we stand together, if God is speaking to your heart, you come as we sing together today.